Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for weekly drunken Magic the Gathering Arena content. Yeah, basically we're just regular dudes drinking irregular beer, talking about Magic the Gathering in particular, their client, MTG Arena. That is right. And today is a great episode. I love these episodes. They're so fun. Yeah, yeah. so fun. So this is our first sips of Midnight Hunt, uh, which is Innistrad. Uh, so very exciting. Uh, happy to finally have played with the cards and get to talk about them for, well, really the first time. We've talked about the cards last week, but this is really the first time we get to actually... Yeah, this is when it really counts. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we actually know some things, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but first, each week we both bring a beer, we drink our own, then drink each other's, rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic, and choose the best for last. So with that, Jeff, what's on tap? All right, so this week I brought something called Waterloo Dark. So Waterloo, it's a brewery out of Waterloo, Ontario, and it claims to be Ontario's first craft brewer on the can, which kind of surprised me. Hmm. Uh, stuff like that's always hard to, to prove, you know, but they must have some claim it, to it in order to put it on the can, so mm -hmm. I figured that's kind of cool. I just got their dark, and it's it doesn't say on the can either what style it is. It just says Waterloo dark, but I think I remember seeing in the liquor store that it's a, a dunkel. Mm. Uh, in any case, it's a dark lager. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's great. Um, I, I figured the dark theme went well with Innistrad, you know? So. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I like, mm -hmm. I like what you're doing. I went mm -hmm. with a dark beer as well. Um, probably the most well-known dark beer ever. Um, oh, yeah? Guinness. I, I would think that it's the, one of the most well-known. What is that? Guinness. I don't think I've ever. I don't ever think I've ever heard of Gu Guinness. Yeah, Guinness. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, it's like the Irish beer. Um, it's from Guinness, <laughs> uh, which was actually established in 1759. Um, okay. So, in our chart of like when breweries came about, yeah, this one's a nice, nice and old one. So that's I don't good. know, man. Stella's still kicking ass. Stella that, is but. really kicking ass, <laughs> but uh, but Guinness is is you know respectable. It's nice. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, yeah, it's not embarrassing itself. That's no, sure. not at all. Uh, so Guinness is a drought stout, and it is 4.2 percent. Surprisingly, because everyone always says how heavy it is, and I'm like, really? I don't think it's heavy yeah. at all. <laughs> um, but I just thought, you know, maybe it's time to have. Guinness on the show. And I don't think, I don't consider it part of the silver beers. No, yeah. I, you know, I thought about that too. And I was like, nah, Guinness definitely should be yeah. an actual part of the show. Exactly. It's just, it's, it's just different. And we'll talk about it later. I'm very excited. Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, I think we should just jump right into things. Like I don't have anything else to, to say. I'm just ready to, ready to midnight hunt. I don't know. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, Jeff, so, you know, what are your first thoughts? How, how does the set feel for you after the weekend, essentially? So for me, the set, so I actually went into this, if you listened last week, you probably know this, with pretty high expectations because I thought the set looked really awesome. And so far, it's, it's totally delivered on that. Um, I've just been mostly playing limited myself, but I, I managed to get in a few standard matches here and there and watch some standard streams and stuff. And people are doing some really cool stuff in that too, so... Uh, I've just honestly been loving both formats. Yeah. No, I think I agree. Um, I did see some weird stuff on Twitter that people were saying that they hated Limited. Like the, oh, yeah? I was like, really? <laughs> I'm having a blast. I, it yeah, seems, I'm having so much fun. Yeah. Um, and that's just not that's not just me being overly positive about things. I think it actually is <laughs> really cool. And um, 
like we talked a lot about the mechanics last week, but there mm-hmm. are so many different connections between the mechanics that I didn't even think about going into it. Um, right. And namely, I think Coven, where I, I was pretty low. I was like, oh, well. <laughs> we, we weren't exactly the highest. We weren't the Coven believers. Yeah, we weren't. No. Um, and, uh, and I don't know if I've completely switched around, but mm-hmm. it's been really interesting having creatures that transform and creatures that get disturbed and all of that blending into the Coven and how all of those different cards interact with each other. So it didn't mm-hmm. necessarily, because before it felt like, oh, I'm going to build a Coven deck and it's going to be about Coven and plus one plus one counters and that's it. But really, it's a lot more like, oh, well, this disturbed creature works really well in the, with coven strategies because it changes power and toughness, and it, start out, it starts out as one, and then it becomes two or something. Um, so yeah. I, I've really liked <laughs> that a lot. Yeah, coven is more fun than I gave it credit for. Like, even without all the crazy shit you're talking about, just, mm-hmm. like, trying to sequence in such a way that you'll play this card and, and activate coven as soon as possible makes you make different decisions than you might otherwise normally. And I always think that's really cool. Um, I actually punted a game because of what you were talking about though. Uh, so I had a one, a two and a three Mm -hmm. in terms of power. And I had the, um, candle trap on my opponent's thing. Uh, but the one that I had was the one four werewolf. And so I just passed the turn and my werewolf suddenly transformed, and now I couldn't activate my candle trap to actually exile their creature. It's a three and five. they had enchantment removal and got rid of it. No. It's it. like, oh my god, that could not have gone worse. Oh, that's so rough. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll just activate my candle trap this turn. That will also transform my werewolf. This is going to be great. No reason to do it now. Pass the turn. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, no, no, I needed to do it on my turn. Yeah, there are many times where I have just completely forgot how the main set of the, or sorry, the main <laughs> mechanic of the set works. Yeah. The amount of times where I was like, man, okay, I really need to make these tra- like these werewolves transform. I'm going to play two spells so they get bigger. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> like, no. It works. It's the yeah. opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like maybe i'll just pass the turn and then on my next turn play my nightbound werewolf it's like it was never day so it didn't become night yeah and you're like <laughs> crap um oh that's what i wanted to say at the beginning i wanted to have a, a quick segment of uh corrections corner or uh, zach yes, fucked yes. it up <laughs> maybe zach fucked it up i think that that's we should good... just add that to the start of the show notes just like yeah. did zach fuck anything did, up what, what did, did he fuck anything <laughs> up yeah um hey remember when i was saying that daybound creatures would not uh make it day when they enter the battlefield well you know i was wrong they do they were super do um which actually... i would say we were both wrong on that because i wasn't sure enough of what i was saying Yes. That I, I let you convince me. So. so, and I felt like I knew pretty, I, I felt like that was a weird corner case, but it would make sense. Um, mm-hmm. In the end, it just makes more sense that you would, as soon as you establish that it, day or night matters in the game, it's either one or the other. So that right. makes a lot more sense. Um, though I, I will say, so the animations uh, on Arena are really helpful, right? Because they're just yeah. right in the front and it's like, hey, this thing happened. But right. I actually really like them too. <laughs> yeah, they look really nice because it's it's like a mirrored. It's not it's not completely mirrored image, but it's like the same image but like light or dark. Right. Um, but I will have to say there have been a couple times where uh, someone plays a werewolf and then it becomes day. I'm like, great, it's my turn, and I'm like, no, 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 they're about to attack. Crap. 
oh no no no, no. but i'm like that wasn't them passing the turn because i get so used to watching it flip at the upkeeps that i think right. it's my turn <laughs> i'm like no we didn't introduce it yet in the game okay got it got it got it got it you're right. playing some long games if it happens more often on upkeep than on a creature ETBing. i've been playing some long games i thought it was going to go a lot faster but i've been having some just i've been beaten down bro really <laughs> yeah uh, I've been. Tr- I've either been trying to be the beatdown, or if it goes long, it means it went badly. So spoiler mm-hmm. alert: it goes badly a lot of the time, <laughs> mainly because I don't know how my cards work and I don't. Right. Them. Yeah, yeah. Just casting two spells for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if we want to talk about this in this episode or the next one because we will probably be talking a lot more about draft next week. But yeah, so next week's episode will be all about limited. We can give our initial thoughts here and what's going well so far, because in a whole week it's probably going to change again because the meta evolves it, so rapidly, especially at the start. But. It will, and I'm very excited yeah. to look at what we thought the best commons were going to be because mm-hmm. um, I have some new thoughts, I think. Maybe I'll save those I have thoughts. Some, I have some new thoughts, <laughs> okay. too. Okay, yeah. I might save those thoughts until next week then uh, so we can <laughs> reestablish that. Um, but overall, I mean... It's, it's just so nice to be an Innistrad. I don't know. Yeah, and this is like the first time since... Maybe I just love Fall Set Limited for some reason, but this is the mm-hmm. first time since Zendikar that I've just lo- loved the draft format this much at the start. And yeah. went absolutely crazy on day one. I did like five drafts on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did like... I had to work that day, so it was... I oh, didn't, man. I know. Your boss didn't understand? <laughs> it was, hunts out? It was a rough day. Because <laughs> like, you're messaging me, oh, look at all my games. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, so I've only played two games of my sealed, and I want to yeah. leave so I can play more. Anyway, um, but it's been like it's been going all right. My sealeds mm-hmm. are always better. I think this is the same with every set, and I'm mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just because there are players like you that aren't playing sealed and are just jumping straight to draft. So I get to play <laughs> like pre-release games basically. But, yeah, um, they've been going well. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I'm on, this is probably the best run I've had at the start of a set either. So my first draft was 5-3, mm-hmm. and it was okay. I drafted some, like, kind of junky green-black deck, and then my next four, four, four drafts, I got seven wins. Then I did another five, and then back to seven. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, I got to, from bronze to, bronze like nothing, right, whatever you start mm-hmm. at, to a mid-platinum now. In, I don't know, just a f- not as many drafts as that sh- normally takes me. So uh, it's mostly like I'm opening really strong rares and mythics and actually drawing them when I'm playing, <laughs> you know, like, which doesn't often happen to me. So it's a nice change of pace. So through um, all of those, are there specific like colors or archetypes that you were playing? I more? tend to find myself doing really well with white in general. Oh, okay. It's like I did well with blue white and then two green-white seven runs, and then a red-white one. It's like all of my seven win runs actually might have been white decks. Wow. That's that's fun news. Yeah, it's unusual for me, too. Yeah. Is that is this what drafting white is normally like? You just win all the time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the last set was okay for it, but mm-hmm. before that, obviously, not the best. So. Pretty bad, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's great. I... Maybe I should stick with certain... Co- I've been trying to move around a little bit. and Maybe I should stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, man, that Gal- Galvany Silversmith, people don't take that card. I know. And I take that card. I've been... <laughs> I think the draft I am just in right now is... I have three of them. Oh, man. It, that's, that's a good feeling. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's nice. So, um, but yeah, anyway, so as far as like constructed goes, have you been able to do anything? Do you have any brews that you're working on or? Yeah. So obviously immediately I'm trying to make the red black thing mm -hmm. work. Um, but that's kind of tough. I don't know if this is your experience, but everyone is playing gruel. Yes. It's just like at least half of my matches are against gruel and honestly, probably more than that. Um, and it, you know, that's not too surprising. Like gold span dragon and a Sika's chariot is probably the best two cards in the format. And mm -hmm. then there's a lot of strong gruel stuff in the new set. So mm -hmm. that's like a natural starting point. Werewolves. People want to play werewolves. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, I find some people doing the, almost like the same gruel deck as before, just with the good red and green cards added to it mm -hmm. instead of the adventure creatures. And then some people are doing the tribal werewolf things. Yeah. Both have felt pretty good, actually. They have. Um, surprisingly, I didn't think that the, the tribal werewolf thing would be great, but um, there have been some games where I'm like, ah, how do I, how do I beat this? Yeah. <laughs> there are wolves everywhere, and I, I can't really do a lot about it. Um, like, a lot of the werewolf cards are just really good. Like, werewolf pack leader and then yeah. the uh, um, ranger's class is basically a wolf Which tribal card. helps you with other wolf things. Um, mm -hmm. So, I've been... There was a, a draft I was playing where uh, Tovalar... That's his name, right? Tovalar? Yeah. Um, so, mm -hmm. he, Tovalar's Huntmaster. It's just like the mono green one. Um, yeah. That, uh, you know... ETBs is a 6-6, six, six, and it makes two wolves, and then when it flips over, you can make wolves fight stuff, um, which is awesome because it's something to do. It's a like a removal spell without mm -hmm. making it daytime, so you can double remove stuff without switching the... Yeah, I gotta say, I slept on that card in the reading the spoilers, mm -hmm. and I've gotten my ass kicked by it so many times now that I'm like, this might just be a really good card. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it feels very good. And because yeah. I was looking at it, I was like, oh, it seems okay. And then it flipped over. I was like, oh, that seems fine. But then we were at a board stall and like I could never make it day to like do anything because they would consistently just be like, no, fuck you. It's always night and I can fight, it, fight, fight, attack, make two more things. I'm never going to play a spell ever again, basically. It's like yeah. I don't have to. And it's just like right. so. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah. hard. Um, that, that card's a house. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I did have one draft where I opened two of that card. <laughs> oh, shit. So it was like pack two and pack three. I had I opened Tovalar's Huntmaster. I was like, really? <laughs> but that deck ended up being terrible somehow. And I don't uh, know. Bummer. I had You're probably like forcing green or something. Because yeah. you get into this weird spot where it's like green's not really open, but it's still probably worth it because you're two green rares are so much better than everything else yeah and i just had like a ton a ton of black removal spells and i was mm -hmm. like i honestly that seems fine black removal into tovalar's hunt master yeah, that'll win that's you what i just got to draw the hunt master i and i would i would always draw it i would just never draw enough lands. <laughs> mm, i see <laughs> yeah well that's a problem too yeah yeah so um anyway uh but that card has been that was one that was surprising to me because i also slept on it pretty hard um yeah I think my favorite, my pick for the best deck in the format right now is the Gruul deck that um, just uses the mana engine, so the Jespera Sentinel mm -hmm. Magda yeah. combo. Yeah. And it's trying to ramp out a turn three Asika's Chariot. I think Arlen is kind of its backup Asika's Chariot, something that comes down and makes two creatures right away and, and right. sticks around. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but and also with Tovalar's Huntmaster at the top end, because you can also ramp into that. Like you can turn three Huntmaster off of Magda Sentinel. Yeah. It does feel which like... Which is like the dumbest thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> when you get Huntmastered on turn three mm-hmm. and you're on the draw, you're like, why did I play this game? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you didn't need me here for this opponent. It does seem interesting that like in the last standard, Despair Sentinel was like good. It's, it is a good card and like it is a good mm-hmm. combo. But it felt like there were a bunch of other things going on that were like, this is much better. And like that's right. just like, and it and it got stomped right like mm-hmm. you'd be on the play or you sorry the draw mm-hmm. you turn one Jesper as Sentinel they untap stomp it and then they have a clean like yeah. turn three play as well and so it would always felt like it was like ah hey, it's not that great and now it feels like oh god yeah. damn <laughs> people are gonna start to put um, so especially because I think the next evolution of this deck is to actually cut the other two drops that they've been playing and go all in on the mana ramp into the dumb stuff. Mm-hmm. So I would actually put Lotus Cobras in okay. and have that. Because then, like, when you get turn three, Asika's Chariot or Arlen on the play, like, yeah, the turn three Huntmaster is, like, the perfect draw, but turn three, Asika's Chariot is pretty hard to beat, too. Uh, and I would just maximize my chances of doing that by playing Lotus Cobra. Yeah. Interesting. And that's, like, through removal. If you have, like, Sentinel and then Magda... Through removal, you're getting a turn three of Seeker's Chariot, which is crazy. And, ugh, it's tough. People are going to have to put the uh, Spike Field Hazards back in. And even that, that's like I'm saying, they'll still get their turn three Chariot, but you got to kill the Magda. Yeah. Or it just gets out of control and they can just keep... Or like you're going to have to play Fight with Fire to deal with Jess Ferris and Sentinel yeah. or something. Or Play that's, with Fire, what's it called? It Play with Fire. That's what I was thinking uh, at first, was mm-hmm. we're just going to see a lot more Play with Fires. Um, just because, hey, Shock is a good card, and um, it's... It's really good when your opponents are all playing 1-2s. Yeah, exactly. And 2-1s, you know, like, their whole plan is to go 1-2, 2-1. Two, two, mm-hmm. You just have two play with fires, you're laughing. You're like, yeah. And you're like, ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's like, I think that deck's a little better than the Werewolf version. I think the Werewolf version is, is still strong, though. Um because it has some nutty draws as well. Yeah. Um, I just think it's been fun to see some of... I mean, I, I agree that I've seen just tons of werewolf stuff, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's been pretty fun to just be like, oh, this is... We get to do this for a little bit before it gets kind of edged out, possibly. Right. Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, before people just decide that the other version of Gruul is similar but better. But better. And then maybe you get to play one of your pet card, but it's not that great or something. Right. Like, yeah, maybe you squeeze some Tovalars into this version because mm-hmm. you have incidental wolf stuff, especially yeah. if you're playing the Huntmaster. Yeah, exactly. So um, we'll see how it shakes out. Um, now, as I'm talking about these things, I want to talk about more decks, but I don't want to spoil some of our worth of slots because I have a couple <laughs> cards that I'm like, I do want to talk about this deck, but I don't want to say some cards that are in it because... <laughs> We'll yeah. be probably talking about that later. That just means we'll be talking about the deck later, right? So. I mean, that's true. That is true. But I also don't know what cards you're thinking about mm-hmm. nominating. So that's there are some decks that I want to talk about that I wasn't going to talk about that card. So. That is very true. Um, I will say uh, every time, every time I look at that card, old stick fingers, I think it says yeah. sticky fingers. That's so gross. Oh, old <laughs> sticky fingers. I hate it. <laughs> 
It just, I, I legit, during all spoilers, I thought it just said sticky fingers, and I don't know why. It just, mm-hmm. <laughs> just I was doesn't like, say that. I know, but I was like, why does it, why would they make such a gross naming magic card? That's, okay. Well, also, why does green cards need to be like old, old something? Old yeah. growth troll. <laughs> we got right. old sticky fingers. We got old gnaw bone. What, yeah. What's that about? <laughs> Are they like in the same family or something? Yeah. Is that their first name? <laughs> Maybe they're not, it's not the same family, but they just have the first name. It's just strange. I'm like, what? what is with this <laughs> naming stuff? You know what it is? When they hit on a vein of something that they haven't explored that much in the past, like, you got to imagine, eventually you're starting to run out of names, right? Because all of the super obvious ones are taken. That's true. So. Oh, you know what it probably is? Is that, so uh, this is a weird design story that I don't design cards, but I know a little bit about how they do this. And one of the, so, okay, I'm going to go back a little bit, but you know how Wizards does like their big um, game designer searches every once in a while? Yeah, right. Where, where um, they're There's like, been like three of them, right? Yeah, they're like, hey, uh, you need to uh, make, basically there's an assignment to like make a card. And then if your card, or a couple cards, and then they slowly mm-hmm. whittle it down and then give somebody a job, essentially. Um, but one of the assignments is that you have your... Um, you have to figure out how to make a card of a certain color that's supposed to do something for the draft set, and you have to name it in between two letters because they have a specific spot on a sheet that cards are printed right. out on, and you have to fit that hole. And I wonder if they use this often, where they're like, well, we need something in between N and P, kind of, or M and Q, so mm. let's put old old something. And it has to be a green card. And it fit, Yeah, and it fits yeah. right in, and they're like, boom. And so they keep using the old something. That's their that's their old green card trick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so wizards, I'm onto you. I know what you're doing. So you're, you're what you're saying is for the next great designer search. If I do that, I'll get the job. I think so. <laughs> I think so. You have yeah. to. <laughs> no, it should be like new something. <laughs> yeah, and the card has to be like really weird or something. Yeah, new sticky fingers. <laughs> new sticky fingers. <laughs> God. But no, no, it's just stick fingers, everyone. Just so you know. I'm sure everyone already already thought that, so. Because uh, his fingers look like sticks. Do you get it now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's sticky. That was one yeah. joke. Sorry, this has nothing to do with magic. <laughs> there was one of those popsicle <laughs> jokes that my friend used to tell all the time. He's like, what's brown and sticky? Popsicle stick? A stick. Just a stick. Because just a stick. It's brown and it's a stick. And it's sticky. <laughs> I always the fact that you said popsicle made me think that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like that does make more sense. I, I hated it so much because I was like, it's not funny though, and it's not good. But he would he laughed at it all the time. Would always make that joke. So maybe the stick. I don't know. Anyway, mm-hmm. maybe I'm talking about uh, <laughs> old sticky fingers too much. But <laughs> it reminds me of a joke that we used to tell as kids. That somebody told me uh, that was just like, uh, "What's red and smells like green paint?" Red paint. Red. <laughs> it's like, is that a joke? I don't is think that's a joke. It's just, uh, it's just the world's worst riddle. Mm, yeah. It's like, hmm, what does what does smell like? That? Uh, it does seem like the kind of joke where you just like a kid made it up because they're like, oh, wait, paint smells all the same, and yeah. just like somehow, you can see the wheels turning, yeah. little hamsters running. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, I did want to talk about the rare land cycle because we haven't been able to talk about this yet. Yes, the slow lands. The slow lands. Is that the official Mm -hmm. name now? Are we calling them the slow lands? 
I mean, it's as official as any of the other ones, I Perfect. think, at this point. All right. I'm fine with that. I think Slowlands makes sense um, because... Yeah. It's literally the thing everyone thought when they saw them, if you knew the term Fastlands. Yeah. Uh, so they're basically the Fastlands, but they're slow. So they enter tapped mm-hmm. unless you have two or more lands. Right. Um, Whereas the Fastland cycle, if you've played uh, Arena, they were in uh, Kaladesh Remastered or whatever, and they come into play tapped. Uh, if like it's the exact opposite, so they if they're your first two, mm-hmm. uh, then they, they come into play t- exactly. untapped. Otherwise, they come into play tapped, and these are the opposite. Yeah, which we have a very interesting mana base right now in the new standard. I guess they're not the exact opposite, right? Because they both come into play untapped on turn three. Mm-hmm. That is true. Okay, there is an overlap. Um, but so the mana base in standard right now we have like pathways, um, mm-hmm. and then we have snarls, um, yeah, and then the the creature lands, and now we have the slow lands. So these are awesome because um, slow lands are better for like slower, as mm-hmm. you might guess, kind of more controlling decks that need access to, like if you have double red spells and double uh, black spells. Haunted Ridge is going to be more valuable to you than uh, the path, the black red pathway, mm-hmm. because pathways are pretty bad at casting double spells, whereas these are pretty good at it. But then aggro decks are often going to hate that these come into play tapped on the first two turns, and so they'll turn to pathways. So it's like these are for the slower mid range control decks, uh, and pathways are better in aggro decks. Yeah, I also think it's fun that. Uh, the creature lands from AFR mm-hmm. are the opposite. So they will come right. into play untapped at the beginning. So that is pretty cool. And those are the exact opposite because mm-hmm. they only come into play untapped for the first, the first two, turns. two turns. Yeah. Um, also important to note, obviously, these are allied lands and the snarls are enemy. Um, mm-hmm. So think about those kinds of things when you're trying to build decks and brew them. Is uh, um, Yeah. Hey. These lands are great, though. They're, you know, obvi- like I just said, you know, pathways in them serve a slightly different function um but other than that these are probably the 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 best lands in standard right now yes i definitely agree even though i play a lot of aggro decks but most of them are monocolored so i don't play these lands but i still want them for other stuff uh yeah and and aggro has good you know fine mana bases anyways with the man lands and the pathways and then maybe a couple of these but you got to be careful with these in aggro because you really don't want to mess your whole curve up. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But what's fun is if you draw like one of these and two other lands, you're already set, right? Mm-hmm. Everything comes into play untapped. So, so, yeah. Anyway, it's nice to have them because I was a little worried coming into new standard, being like, "What is the mana base going to be like?" Right. Because that's a big part of standard 2022 is that the mana was so bad. Yeah. So, um, so now this is a great this is a great step to to know like, okay, we do have some. Some nice, uh, nice lands. Hey, these are awesome, and I really hope the cycle gets finished in Crimson, Crimson Bow. Sometimes they don't do that, and it's like this is just going to push you towards allied colors. I think, yeah, um, because they're so much better than the snarls. Like the snarls are terrible, so you have all ten pathways, and then you have these. So allied colors are just much stronger currently. I think. But. I would like them to do enemy colored. No, do I want them to do that? I kind of like when they don't. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I like it when they don't complete a cycle immediately. Besides the pathways, I think. I like that they they did it because it was weird that there were six and then four. 
But when you go five and five, it doesn't bother me that much. Mm. I don't know. I think uh, these are just the same colors that have always that have been good recently. And it's like this is just going to push people to play more gruel unless you give us something else. But okay. But you know what? It, it's probably fine. Yeah. <laughs> but these are great lands, so yeah. there's going to be an imbalance until they give us at least something else. Maybe they give us enemy lands of a different cycle mm -hmm. of a new kind of cycle that's what i was mm -hmm. thinking but like do they want to have or, like reprint the fast lands that'd be kind of interesting oh opposites but... that would be cool hmm. i kind of like that i could get behind that but i think they should give us something so that yeah even if the mana vases are different i don't like that these ones are just strictly better because like this <laughs> snarls are so bad yeah because you just need so many basics for the snarls to do anything obviously and then you're and the whole point of playing dual lands is to play less basics. Yeah. And then you kind of just want to hold that one basic in your hand for a long time so you can use it for the other snarls. Anyway. Mm -hmm. it, it gets weird. It gets weird. And you you always want to hold pathways until the last possible moment. Mm -hmm. Unless your mana base also has snarls in it. Then you kind of have to make the weird early pathway choice so that you can hold the basic in case mm -hmm. you draw a snarl. And you get screwed, yeah. yeah. It's really annoying. <laughs> um, so... I, I do like the idea of Crimson Vow having different enemy lands. I don't know if they will do that, but I do. I like the idea of not just completing the cycle and then being like, oh, well, you'll never play the other lands anyway. So One thing I did want to talk about, though, is I've been trying to make blue-white, speaking of these allied colors, mm -hmm. just like a blue-white control deck work, like I was talking about before with the Fortel and mm -hmm. the Dragon in yeah. blue and even Mordenkainen. And what pushed me to do this was that I had Teferi in a draft, and I just won so easily because Teferi is so much... Like, Teferi is better than I thought he was. When I just read the card, I was thoroughly unimpressed, mm -hmm. and also a little miffed that he doesn't change day to night or night to day. That was kind of the main reason I wrote him off. Yeah. But uh, that plus is actually better than it looks. Um it's a little different in constructed to limited, obviously. Like, obviously, a card like Teferi. You know, I didn't think he was going to be bad in limited. Mm -hmm. But he played out smoother than I thought in such a way that I was like, I should try this guy in constructed because, you know, maybe it gets you there. And it's been it's been fun trying to make that deck work. It is hard to beat Gruul because Gruul has the two best creature lands and it has... Uh, so, like... Wrath of God type effects aren't very good right now because they'll have creature lands, they'll have a Seekus Chariot, they'll mm -hmm. have like Arlen, and you're just like, oh my god, this like kills their two worst things, like their yeah. two tokens. Um, so Gruul's really tough, and I, I haven't found a solution to that. But I will say that I was a big sleeper on Teferi, and I think the card is okay. I don't think it's a you know gonna dominate standard for the foreseeable future, but I think it could conceivably show up. Yeah. So I just wanted to talk about him because he's not going to be, spoiler alert, one of my three picks for the next section. But Yeah, I was wondering because I knew that you had played with him. So Because um, I haven't really seen him on the field. I don't have a new opinion about him, uh, mm -hmm. really. Um, so I'm literally reading him again because I don't remember. So if our listeners don't remember that to Teferi yeah. who slows the sunset, <laughs> this is the reason why Jeff was upset that they didn't do anything with the sun and whatever, because his name <laughs> is literally... He doesn't slow the sunset. He doesn't slow the sunset. He doesn't do that. <laughs> um, but he's two white blue for a four mana Teferi Planeswalker, plus one. You can choose up to one target artifact, up to one target creature, and up to one target land. Untap the chosen mm -hmm. permanents you control, tap them if you don't control them, and you gain two life. Right. <sighs> 
That's a lot of this. It just gives you a lot of options. It does. It gives you so many options. Uh, I remember even in limited once I was sitting there like, okay, I can untap this thing and use it again. And then I realized, oh, wait, I could just tap their only blocker and with Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Scrap all. Because I was I was using it mostly to untap my stuff. Yeah. And then on that last turn, I was like, oh, I feel like I could probably win somehow and I'm just missing it. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, you just tap their blocker. Got it. (laughs) Yeah. You can do that, too. Yeah, that does seem great. I guess, mm-hmm. the, like, what it, it's the classic Zach thing where this card has too many words on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> None of them slow the sunset yeah. amount. Uh, what is it? <laughs> the minus two is, like, look at the top three cards of your library, put one of them in your hand, and then put it it's on just the bottom. Okay. Um, great. And then the emblem is, you just... Oh, the emblem is uh, like the commander thing. Yeah, so you get an emblem, you get to untap all turns during each opponent's untap step, and you can draw a card during there. So you get to take turns on their turns, which yeah, it's makes more that sense. card that got banned in commander is. Profit accrual fix. Um, yes. But this way you get to draw a card too. Um, Even better. Yeah, so it does seem like, uh, like that is the slow the sunset part. But like, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I never really look at planes. I've stopped reading the ultimates <laughs> on Planeswalker. They they matter so rarely. Yeah, that like I just never read them anymore. Unless like, I'm looking at something like, are they about to ultimate? Maybe. Oh, that yeah. okay. It's okay. Oh, but honest. it's always just like it's very rare that you're like, oh, they're about to ultimate. Should I stop it? Let me read it. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I don't need to stop that. Like that never happens. No. <laughs> if your opponent's about to ultimate on you, you're gonna lose. So. You're like, can I stop that? No. Should I concede? Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't actually need to read it at this point. I'm just, yeah. If my opponent's gonna ultimate a plane blocker. I'm just gonna concede. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Um, perfect. Well, I think. I mean, Jeff, are you ready for another beer? I'm just. I'm just about there. Yeah. Let's let's go to a beer break. Oh, perfect. Let's go to a beer break. <laughs> <laughs> Some of that you got that Guinness sound, the yeah thing. <laughs> I think that's the first time I've ever opened a Guinness without it overflowing a little. Oh yeah, yeah. Because they're doing the carbonation thing immediately. Yeah, how does that work? Do you know how that works? The ball, the Guinness ball. Yeah, it's physics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you need a deeper explanation than that? I mean, wow. yeah, like a little bit. <laughs> uh. I think I looked it up once, but I don't remember. Okay. All right. All right. I'm fine with that. It's it, just like as you as you turn, I guess the ball will kind of move and, and car- like it's going to cause waves, right? Because it's going to move. Okay. It's just going so to carbonate is, it. Cause, so there's nothing in the actual ball. It's just like literally just a ball. Yeah. It's, it's just like a little ping pong ball. Yeah, yeah. We used to like crack these open and play beer pong with it. With the ball. Yeah, yeah. When we had no other options. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, perfect. Yeah, I brought the ping pong balls, but we got to drink them first. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> okay, love it. Playing beer pong with Guinness. Mm-hmm. Mm. Hey, that sounds great to me. All right, now I got that Waterloo dark. Mm-hmm. Just no no style. It's just, it's just a dark. Yeah, it's a dunkle. Yeah, dark lager. Okay, gotcha. Pour the boar. Love it. <laughs> I expect nothing less from Canada's first craft brewery. Yep, that's right. Uh, all right, let's get into it. Maybe it said Ontario, but... <laughs> it does say Ontario. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Jeff, are you ready for our tried and true 
segment worth a slot. Worth a slot. Where we've never made a mistake ever. No, we've every card is always worth a slot. <laughs> if you're, uh, you know, daring enough. Yeah, exactly. Every card could be worth a slot if that's all you got. <laughs> is that... <laughs> all right. That even rhymes. It just has to be true. It just has to be true. So, during our first tips episode of a set, we do like to do our segment worth a slot, which is basically saying, hey, these are cards we think that are worth a slot in your deck. Uh, mm -hmm. We have three categories. They're very important and very solid. <laughs> yeah. Well defined. <laughs> yeah. Every, it makes sense. Um, uh, so, obviously, they are basketball terms, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> because why not, right? Yeah. Oh, I thought these were curling. No? Oh, I mean, I don't know. Are these also in curling? Oh, uh, half court. No, yeah, the three-pointer in curling, where you just <laughs> throw the rock and you break the ice. Anyway, so we have three categories. You have your layup, worth a slot, uh, your three-pointer, and your half court. Kind of going in difficulty of, is it really worth a slot or not? Mm -hmm. um, and one's layups are obviously, yeah. We all knew that, kind of. But you got to pick which one you like to talk about, so... It's yeah, yeah. It's great, and then we talk about it later in our happy hour episodes. It's lots of fun. Anyway, let's get into it. I always love them. I also love them. Um, Jeff, do you want to start us off? Because I always, I, I just, you know, I want you to go first. Maybe uh, okay. Yeah. So my layup is more of like me doing a layup. So it's mm -hmm. like it's anything but a sure thing. Okay? Oh, good. Okay. So <laughs> Uh, but I actually originally had this, I knew this card was going to be on my list. I didn't know whether to put it as a layup or a three pointer. And then when I fleshed out my list, this was the closest thing to a layup that was on it. So <laughs> here we are. My worth a slot layup is a card called the meat hook massacre. Oh buddy. <laughs> oh, I knew it. So this is X black black for a legendary enchantment. When it ETBs, each creature gets minus X minus X till end of turn. Of course, X is however much mana you chose to pay. Whenever a creature you control dies, each opponent loses a life. And whenever a cre creature an opponent controls dies, you gain a life. So this is an enchantment, it's worth noting. And the first thing is sticks around. I think I first kind of read it as a sorcery and just thought, okay, like whatever they had gives me... A life and whatever I had they lose a life and I, I can scale this kind of wrath as I want um, but the fact that it's an enchantment makes it super interesting so this is what the sacrifice decks were missing was a way a blood artist type effect mm -hmm. where every creature you sack drains the opponent and this is a two mana one that's really hard to to get off the battlefield what makes it really interesting is that the subsequent versions just act as scalable wraths, right? Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't stack. So a lot of Blood Artist decks love to stack their Blood Artist effects and then just sack everything and win. And this doesn't do that because it's legendary. So the later ones just act like a, a board wipe. But the fact that it has both of those modes, I think just makes it really awesome. Yeah, I so I was thinking about this card for my list, um, mm -hmm. but uh, it makes a lot of sense that you would obviously like lead off with it, um, and yeah. So the legendary thing I think is huge in this instance uh, mm -hmm. because the one we had right before this that just rotated out was the B Bastion of Remembrance, right? 
yep. um, which is like the enchantment that drains. But I like mm -hmm. that this one drains. It doesn't drain. That's what I mainly want to say, is that right. if it doesn't have the same effect of like, oh, well, if both of our creatures die in combat, you drain for two. It's like, mm -hmm. no, it'll actually, I'll gain one and you'll lose one. And that's how that will work. But I think it's really interesting and it makes combat really complicated. Yeah. And subsequent things were, you're trying to figure out how it works. It just makes it much more interesting than a, a lot of other blood artist effects. Um, mm -hmm. while still doing what you need it to do to fit in the deck. Um, so, I, but I do think it's very strong, and it has been the bane of all my decks, because obviously I play <laughs> a lot of stupid little creatures, and this, it ruins me. <laughs> yeah, so I'm imagining this just, maybe this even just makes it into some sort of blue-black control deck as a one-of kind of thing, or a two-of. But yeah. I'm imagining where this really shines is like the red-black sacrifice decks. Mm -hmm. That as you're saying, we've been missing like our our blood artist type effect rotated out. And Bastion of Remembrance was how you basically won all of your games previously. Mm -hmm. And so we needed something like this. And this is just such a really cool version yeah. that I'm super excited to try this card out. I haven't done it yet because, you know, it's a mythic rare wild card. So I'm hoping to pick up a few. Uh, In a draft. <laughs> in a draft or something uh or maybe in draft prize packs or something like yeah, that yeah. like build up my collection that way um but as soon as i can i will be playing a red black version that has four of these and we're gonna see we're gonna see where that takes us yeah uh no this is great and it's definitely gonna be seeing play because it's just another wrath in the format but it, like mm -hmm. more interesting than just like doomscar you know yeah and it's and I like that it's scalable. Like sometimes it will you'll be just be in that dream scenario where it only hits your opponent's creatures and yes. yours survive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, like it'll be interesting in that deck because most of your your creatures are kind of small in the sacrifice deck. Yeah, but I mean, it, it will like keep your um, Amorstorm Predator alive, but kill like that's your true. opponent's Paolo or whatever. Oh, that's yeah. Killing Paolo <clears throat> is actually pretty big. Just doing it for mm -hmm. three uh, x equal to one, so three mana. Yeah sounds really i mean it's gonna be like x equal to one plus the two you have to pay for the palo but yeah because <laughs> they're not gonna leave you with this that's but. true hopefully you draw this immediately afterwards but um mm -hmm. but yeah i uh i like that one that's a good that's a fun one it's also like yeah this is just i i love this card and and i also think it actually is quite strong and so i don't know if the metagame is gonna break its way but if it does like this could be a big part of the standard format oh for sure i have a layup that i feel like is just just a regular old layup probably <laughs> i don't know who knows but this is a card that's been pissing me off recently and i'm not gonna play it but i i can see why and it is it just it works really well with another card that i also don't love playing so um <laughs> uh so i picked ren and seven for my yeah. layup uh, so I it's, mean, yeah, this card's amazing. Yeah. So it's three green, green for a five mana Ren planeswalker. Um, it does a bunch of stuff with lands, which I'm not super interested in all those parts, but it's like you plus one, you can reveal a bunch of cards from your library and put a land in your hand. The rest go in your graveyard. And then for so zero, you put all lands. Uh, sorry. Okay. That's what's crazy. You can right. draw like three cards off that plus, but you get all lands. Yeah. Yeah. And so then the zero ability, you get to put any number of lands in your hand on the battlefield tapped, which is great. Cause you just probably drew a bunch. 
But the real ability. The real ability <laughs> is what, this is really what this card does, is that it's for minus three, you create a green tree folk creature token with reach, and then it has this creature's power and toughness are each equal to the number of lands you control. Okay, so a lot of the time it's a 5-5, five five, but usually it's actually a 4-4 four four because they ramped out <laughs> through just bare Sentinel right. and all of like the Magda <laughs> stuff, which we were talking about earlier. But the way this card really shines is with Asika's Chariot, which is, it's just the worst. It is a really good Asika's Chariot target <laughs> to double. Uh, Wait, to is that the card that can copy any token? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so remember when people were just like, oh, I'm going to copy my treasure token or like my 2-2 wolf or something, and people were like, that's really good. This is so <laughs> much better than that. It's so much better. Um, yeah, it's just stupid. If your opponent has curved out like turn three chariot into turn four Ren and seven against you before, you know what we're talking about. Yeah. Like, the tree folk cruise it perfectly, and then it copies the tree folk when it mm -hmm. attacks, like you were saying. And you're like, oh, great. Even if you can kill the, the chariot, you're like, great, well, I have two big things that are just going to keep getting bigger and if they have extra lands in their hand they're just going to dump them on the battlefield and they're just going to be these huge things i can't fly over yeah. and if they want to buy time till they get other win cons but that really just kind of does it so for the most part this just says five mana <laughs> make a token <laughs> but um anyway uh it uh Dude, I I was playing again a game of draft where I thought the game was unlosable, and my opponent played this card, mm -hmm. and pretty soon I realized the game was unwinnable. Yeah. <laughs> this is just, it was way too hard to beat. I was like, oh, I could get it with flyer. Oh, uh, does that say reach? It says reach. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, how do I kill this ever? <laughs> yeah, and it is just so frustrating, especially because it's five mana. If it yeah. was four mana, it would actually be better for me because I could use a, a Skyclave Apparition to get it. Right. But I can't. <laughs> so it uh, it really grinds my gears. You know, it, it's but I, I got to give props to it. It's got to lay up right into standard. You're going to see And it. I think this is the perfect one because I think this guy's worth exactly one slot. Like maybe you play two. Yeah. Like, you don't four of max out on this. You just do one or two. This is like the... It's what makes Asika's Chariot just significantly better it's it would be the card that makes me play a seekers chariot and really like it because then mm -hmm. i because right now i'm not the biggest fan of it because the tokens aren't big enough <laughs> but like you know even if you attack once with your chariot and you're like it's gonna die i don't care but i have this huge creature that's gonna keep scaling that's mm -hmm. awesome so good job also the ultimate's like you get to return all permanent cards from your graveyard to your hand and then you have no maximum hand size so I, Not bad. I guess that's also good to note, but... <laughs> that's a thing that you're never going to get to because you're always going to be making tree folk whenever possible. Yeah, or your opponent will just never be able to stop you from doing it because you have a giant reach blocker that <laughs> they will never yeah. beat. Um, anyway, so... Uh, yeah, I've played like against Ren and Seven in now both limited and constructed couple of times and mm -hmm. it's just skyrocketed off my list to like maybe this is just the best card in the set it really yeah <laughs> it, it immediately was like because i you know planeswalkers i don't usually read them <laughs> yeah <laughs> so just because and yeah, we uh, learned that about teferi exactly right? so man this one so annoying i think the other thing is that it makes a token and skyclave apparition also doesn't kill tokens doesn't hit tokens. so yeah. it, it's extra horrible i'm like fuck i hate this <laughs> But hey, man, your apparition still hits the chariots. That's true. That, you know, 
So too bad it's, I have one turn to maybe stop getting two of them. They'll just be one for a while. <laughs> anyway, um, but that's like the lay, lay the most layup. What, what's the easiest layup? I don't know. Yeah, that's like LeBron doing the layup, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just, but I guess it's a slam dunk. I don't know. It is. We don't need to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to show people how little we know about basketball. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, perfect. But let's go into three-pointers. All right. Do you want me to start again? Yeah. All right. So this is actually one that uh, it was another sleeper for me. This set is just full of sleepers that a week ago, if you'd asked me these, I'd have a different, totally different answer. But I saw this card in action over the past couple like over the weekend mm -hmm. and uh, autumn burchett was playing a deck that's completely built around this card and i wanted to talk about it last segment and then i was like no wait i'm choosing that card for my oh. worth of slots so i'm just not even going to mention it until now so this this card is uh lear 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 disciple of the drowned three blue blue for a three four legendary human wizard spells can't be countered and each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard has flashback. The flashback cost is equal to its mana cost. Man, Autumn was smoking people with a deck that's just blue-black, full of, like, random shit, and then this card. And so she was, like, playing um, <clears throat> Consider, which when this card is out, Consider, the card you put in the graveyard, you also get, and then you get to cast the Consider again, and then the card you put in the graveyard again, you also get. <laughs> so it's like Consider's like a draw four. Um, she was playing... Um, what's the the Learn card that's kind of like a counter spell, but doesn't actually counter, so you're allowed to play it with this card? Oh, that, that um, returns stuff up. The, um, oh, I can't believe I forgot the name of this card because I hate it. Divide by zero. Divide by zero, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but so obviously the weakness of this card is that, or they put spells can't be countered so that you don't just fill your graveyard up with counter spells and counter everything for the rest of the game. Because, right? mm -hmm. you know, you might not notice that immediately, but it's not your spells can't be countered, mm -hmm. it's spells can't be countered. Yeah. But she was playing Divide by Zero, and then you go the card you go get with Lesson, you get to cast again because it has flashback, and you get to cast the Divide by Zero again, again. because it has flashback, and you get to go le learn again. It was like, she was just absolutely annihilating everyone. Now, she did give credit, I think, when she was playing it, she said that Brian Gottlieb actually came up with the deck and okay. posted it on, on Twitter. That sounds... Um, but at first, I was like, oh, another janky blue-black deck mm -hmm. that people are trying to make work. And then I... I'll just watch her play this one game, and then let's see. And she won this crazy game where she stabilized at one life, and a lot of her spells lost life, so mm -hmm. she couldn't cast any of them. But then she managed to divide by zero something to go get um, the card that gains you two life and gets you a land. Environmental card. sciences? Yeah, and then cast that twice to go up to five life, and then start <laughs> using the life. <laughs> it was like, this is the best game I've ever seen. And so... Uh, I think this card is actually a lot better than it looks. And she was using Malakir Rebirth to protect it. Oh, that's good. Which, yeah. okay. And, which you can use twice. Yeah. <laughs> so it's pretty hard to kill this thing. That's awesome. <laughs> that's so awesome. Man. Yeah, it was one of the coolest things ever because I just saw her like deck list quickly. I didn't really notice this card. Mm -hmm. I don't think I even knew what this card did. And I was like, oh, that's just like her win condition in her janky blue-black control deck. 
And then she was always like, oh man, my opponent's just not giving me a time to cast Lear, but if I cast Lear, I win. I was like, how good could Lear possibly be that that's true? And then she finally resolved and protected it with like Malakir Rebirth. I was like, oh, I see. You have 30 cards in your hand now and you're a control deck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is tough to lose, isn't it? Because <laughs> it doesn't say you can only cast one a turn. Yeah, it doesn't you say just... that. <laughs> you think it might say something like that, but it does not. Uh, so I'm pretty pretty high on this card now after watching. Now, obviously, like Autumn's amazing, so probably probably the deck's just okay. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> it seems super. Like I haven't heard about this deck. I talked about this card to some commander players, mm -hmm. and we we're like figuring out how to to play this. And I have a friend who hates counter spells in blue specifically, so he's like, mm -hmm. "This is the only blue card or commander I would ever <laughs> build because right. spells can't be countered in this." <laughs> Screw counter yeah. spells. Um, but yeah. being like, oh, blue is cool, but counterspells suck kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I was kind of being like, well, you know, it's not, uh, yeah, okay. Um, but just working through kind of that or how to like mill somebody in, uh, in Commander by playing your mill spells twice. Uh, mm -hmm. But that deck sounds way better than what I was talking <laughs> yeah. about. <laughs> uh, yeah, and she was playing like Professor Onyx, which the plus one means that you basically draw three cards because the other two go into your graveyard. Oh, man. <laughs> and then every spell you cast, and you have access to, like, 30, mm -hmm. drains for two, right? So That's awesome. That sounds so cool. It was it was a great deck. I think she went, like, 5 or 6 and 0. Because, you know, I was gonna, just going to watch one match, and that's not what happened. I watched, mm. like, a bunch <laughs> while I was doing other stuff. Yeah. And I just kept tuning back in, and it was always the same story. She had Lear, Infinite Hand, and managed to win the match. She went, like, 6 and 0 or something while I was watching. That's sweet. What a cool card. Man, now I would just want like that deck and just to play yeah. it. <laughs> I, I, so I immediately copied it off her stream and put it like I didn't craft it yet, mm -hmm. but it's in my It's sitting account. there. And you like, I was like I'm going to I'm going to want this later. Mm -hmm. um, cuz that sounds you'll have to send me that link cuz that sounds so yeah. awesome. And it yeah. also will be fun for me to try to play it and then lose miserably. Yeah, and just like keep getting my ass kicked and be like and I thought like, to make it look so how, easy. How did you do this? But um yeah, she makes a lot of stuff look really good. So, um, I'm gonna stick with the decks that I know how to play, which <laughs> brings me to my three point <laughs> shot, which is not the most exciting card. But I did want to talk about these cards, and this one is one that I just think helps out this deck that I really want to be something. <laughs> I play this all the time. I kind of alluded to it before, but um, uh, Intrepid Adversary. Is one okay. in white for a 3-1 human scout with lifelink. And it's mm -hmm. part of the adversary cycle. So each color got a different one of these. Um, they all have a different keyword. And uh, they all have this thing where when they enter the battlefield, you can pay an amount of mana. And for this card, it's one in white. And you can pay it any number of times. So it has multi-kicker is basically what it is. It has multi-kicker. Kind of. Kind of, though. Because, like, if, if this gets countered, I didn't pay the kicker cost that's true okay because it only it only happens when it enters the battlefield does it yeah. trigger yeah and then also i guess if you like reanimator it somehow you can pay this kicker cost which you can't with multi -kicker. all right okay so it's better than multi-kicker you're right that's yeah. great perfect um <laughs> and uh, it says okay so you can pay one and a white any number of times and for each time you paid that cost you get to put a valor counter on intrepid adversary and it just the static ability is creatures you control get plus one plus one for each valor counter on intrepid adversary so 
The reason I like this one more than some other stuff is that basically I play mono white a lot and I like playing mono mm -hmm. white and um, it's really fun actually right now because all almost all the really good mono white cards are play two spells in a turn stuff. Um, so there's a right. lot of decks that are like go wide, um, play two spells. So it's really fun against werewolf things because you're like my entire deck just yeah. wants me to play double spell all the time. So have fun in the daytime, I guess. Um, and uh, and this is a an anthem effect that we've been needing an anthem effect for a while, and we had one that was pretty good in um, what was that card? Uh, Paladin class, mm -hmm. and that one was good except for the first part of the class was kind of like a meh ability that was just like that was right. kind of an extra nice thing like oh taxing your opponent's spells by a little bit, um, and this one is just great because. At the beginning, if it's in your opening hand, you're like, sweet, I have a 3-1 lifelink for 2 mana. I'm mm -hmm. just going to play that. And if you draw it late in the game, either you pay 4 or you pay 6, and all your creatures get plus 1, plus 1, or plus 2, plus 2. And you're like, this is also awesome. And all the stupid, yeah. dinky little 1-1 one, one flyers they've been making the whole game get huge. Um, and hopefully you get to play it before someone meat hook massacres you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um yeah, I guess like Paladin class and this both cost four mana to give your team an anthem, and mm -hmm. this gives you a four two lifelink, whereas Paladin class tacks on like a kind of random yeah the extra, line of text like that extra line of text was really helpful when you played Demir Rogues, and now mm -hmm. Demir Rogues is not a deck in the format. So hey, um, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, Zendikar Rising still set. Or yeah. you're, you okay, could play sorry. Demir Rogues if you wanted to. Sorry, it's not really part of the meta, but like you can. Yes, you can. Yeah. You there are. It's like tier four, but yeah. I mean, they did print a a rogue in this set, so that works. <laughs> There's Zareth Sand. You know, you could be doing that whole thing. That's true. Yeah, it could be more like traditional, uh, like tribal. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I just think it's it's nice to have this, especially at the two drop slot. Um, because we lost the three one that you could discard a card to uh, protect it, right? And so hallowed, hallowed something blade, hallowed, uh, yeah, whatever. I'm really bad. Something hallow blade. Yeah, seasoned hallow blade. Seasoned um, hallow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was so like, hallowed seasoned blade sounds wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is the new three one we get to play with, except for now it has lifelink and is an anthem if you draw it late. Yeah. Um, it was a really cool card. Um, and like I said, I think it's awesome that they've kind of reworded multi-kicker to be a little more... Because, man, you used to have to tap out for a multi-kicker card like this, and they'd just be like, oh, you know, Jwari Disruption. Mm -hmm. And oh, you're fuck. like, fuck, oh, god damn it. yeah. <laughs> At least this one's Jwari Disruption proof. <laughs> that's true. Um, that's a really good thing that I did not think about uh, mm -hmm. with it. But um, as far as the other ones go, I mean, they, this was a big thing when uh, all of them came out and people were really excited. Obviously, I was excited for this one because uh, I want to mm -hmm. try it out. And I do like it quite a bit because it, uh, all of them don't feel super bad when you just play them by themselves. But uh, I just like this one. Obviously, it's in colors for a deck that I already play. Um, so right. I'm happy to, uh, happy to have it. And I did want to take a moment to actually talk about Mono White. Like, I've been seeing it on the ladder and obviously people haven't quite figured out the best build for it and th that's really going to hurt a deck like that like when you find the best build and the metagame stabilizes a bit because mm -hmm. mono white tends to be a bit disruptive the deck's going to get better mm -hmm. uh, but i think mono white's probably tier one yeah i, I also feel the same way 
Um, mm-hmm. You do have to obviously watch out with um, some of the other decks and the things that are frustrating are the ones I've already talked about, which is the Meat Hook Massacre and those freaking yeah. reach <laughs> things. <laughs> because usually you can pick off Planeswalkers with your flyers, but now right. you have a fucking yeah, yeah. giant... It's like a <laughs> Elder Gargaroth. You're like, fuck, and f- are you kidding me? There's just another one, but there's more now. Like, fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the tokens are not the same as Elder Gargaroth. But, um, yeah, so I, I have... I personally don't build this deck, really. Uh, I mm-hmm. play other people's versions. And right now I'm playing Andrea Mangucci's uh, version okay. of, of Mono That's White. a good choice. Yeah, <laughs> which is... Um, uh, he's doing the similar thing I was doing in, in 2022, which is you're playing all the Monk of the Open Hand and the Code Spell Clerics to double spell a bunch right. of stuff. And then you have Master Flowers in your sideboard. And then um, that flashback card that's just like one white mana, put a plus one plus one counter on something, flashback for white. or And it gets Vigilance and you have flashbacks for one white. So you can double mm-hmm. spell for two mana off of one card, which can be super helpful as a top deck later, actually. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, it's been fun. I've been... Uh, yeah, I mean, still like one drop into Luminarch Aspirant into Apollo. Still good. Still Turns good. Out. Still super good. <laughs> Love it. Yep. Um, but Luminarch Aspirant's just a hell of a card. So. It's so strong. Uh, so and people are ready for it, but it's it's great. I love it. I'm still uh, I'm still on it. I, I know I was kind of uh, in our previous worth of slot stuff. I was kind of off the Guardian of Faith. Um, I'm a little bit back on it. I uh, played it a little bit more. It's a uh, pretty yeah. it's pretty good. Now that stuff's rotated out. Yeah, it, uh, <laughs> I like it. I like I like it as a sideboard card again. It, like it's really great against control decks. So I enjoy. Mm-hmm. It. Oh, it's really uh, it's good. It's not really great, but it's good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It, it, it's a card you put in your deck, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, that was my three-pointer. All right. So for my, what do we call in this, half-court? Half-quarter. Sure, let's do it. I really, you know, I always feel a bit bad about giving the same style of deck too many cards in my choices. Yeah. But you know what? This set gave me too much sweet shit with my red-black sacrifice love affair, <laughs> so... Uh, we're getting another sacrifice style card okay and i also just freaking love this card and i don't think it's going to be good but that's why it's a half court shot i'm going to take the shot anyways all right and i think you probably know what it I, is. I think i do <laughs> this is jaren corrupted bishop two and a black for a legendary human cleric two three when it etbs or if another non-token human you control dies, you lose a life and you create a 1-1 white human creature token. Then you can tap two mana to give target human lifelink that you control. And then at your end step, if you have exactly 13 life, you can pay six to transform him into Ormondal. Those of you that are playing in Shadows over Innistrad will recognize this guy. 6-6 six, six flying trample lifelink that sacks another creature to draw a card. This is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I don't think... I think they gave it just a bit too many restrictions. I wonder... I really want to see the original design of this card. Because this really feels like extra restrictions were kind of, like, thrown in there. Mm. And then it became this other entity. Um, But you know what? The entity it became, while might not be powerful, is freaking awesome. I love the idea of, okay, when something dies, I lose a life and I get a human, then I can give humans lifelink to try to control my own life total 
and have it end up at exactly 13. Like I can sack stuff to lose life and then try to give stuff lifelink and try to for, sort of brute force my way to 13 life so that I can transform this. And then I can make use of all those tokens to draw cards with the Ormondal side or whatever. Like once you get to the Ormondal side, if you can protect it, you probably just win. Mm-hmm. Because sack a creature, draw a card is like one of the most insane activated abilities I've seen on anything ever. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, Not to but mention. I acknowledge that they they probably recognized that and and they made some like serious, you know. All right, so another non-token human I control. So, like, it's got to be in a human's deck. I think mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing, right? It, that mm-hmm. it's a human that has to die in order for this to trigger. Otherwise, it'd be pretty insane. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I just really love this card. And I hope it makes it in as, like, a one or two of in a sacrifice deck. Somewhere, some way. Maybe even in historic where there's more human options to choose from. Yeah, you know what? It's probably gonna make a slot in your sacrifice deck in his. Oh yeah, so it will definitely <laughs> be worth a slot in my deck. <laughs> if I happen to open one in draft or in a prize pack. Yeah. Oh, you're not gonna <laughs> craft. Gonna yeah, you don't want to craft this one. I mean, realistically, I probably will craft it, but I shouldn't. <laughs> Got it. Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, it's hard, man. Wild cards. They're. Yeah, mm, I know. It's. I mean, I've saved up quite a few recently, so I feel okay. But I think as, it's a it's a commander card, but I still love it. So. I, yes, it definitely seems like that. But uh, hey, maybe you play brawl, historic brawl. There you go. There yeah. you go. Get you in, and get then I'll be like, glad I crafted four. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, so my final one, half court shot, mm-hmm. coming right at you. As I'm looking at all the cards to make sure I'm picking one. You know what? I think I'm going to go in a weird direction here. I'm uh, okay. I'm going to. Um, so your card feels a little bit like a commander card, mm-hmm. right? So I'm going to pick another card that um, might be a card that I'm like, you know what? I, I could play this either in commander or historic or uh, something. Maybe this where the slot isn't necessarily standard. But um, I got to the pleasure of playing this in a draft, and I really liked it and might continue something with it. But okay. uh, so Sarith, the Viper's Fang, which is two okay. green green for a three four human warlock. Human, by the way, really it looks Ooh. like it's uh, it's actually like some Gorgon, but that's just a snake on her. We're just building a deck here with our human synergies. We really human are. human legendary creatures. Right? So this could be your, your commander for your historic or your regular brawl decks. <laughs> it says other tapped creatures you control have death touch. And it says other untapped creatures you control have hexproof. You can pay one and tap it to untapped target creature or land you control. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this was super fun, especially with like a bunch of little things that you just... Everything just attacks in. You play like fight spells and kill things and everything happens during combat because you're like, everything's got death touch now. Let's go. You know, also, obviously, this card works really well with the death card, death touch card from Kaldheim. What was that guy's name? Um, with the, the scale um, sword shield. Yeah. Right, right, right. Finn? Finn. Finn, yeah. Finn the Fangbearer. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, which was awesome. So... 
that card is like, hey, combo. Yeah, right. That card's like, hey, let's poison people and uh, kill them, and and so every you know creature that has death touch deals poison damage to your opponent. Well, this gives every attacking it deals creature two, right? Like you only need to hit yeah, exactly. five times with them. And this is just like, hey, every attacking creature you have, as long as they don't have vigilance, it has death touch, and you're like, boom, boom, combo. I love yeah. that. This seems like just super fun, and uh, I love the ability to. Obviously, everything else has hexproof, and you can just untap one of your creatures whenever you want to give it hexproof instead. Yeah, this card is really cool. I actually have also had it in draft, and by the way, it's an absolute house in draft. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like you were saying, you just attack with everything all the time. You're not that worried about removal spells because you can untap stuff on command. They have to kill this first. Like, this card is great. Um, I love the Finn Sarath combo. Never thought about that before. That's oh really? Dope. Yeah. <laughs> I wish there was some like redundancy for Finn, because you know mm -hmm. we have semi redundancy for Sarath with the um, binding the old gods. The third chapter gives all your creatures death touch. Right. What like there are other ways to do that, but there is no replacement for Finn. So that sounds like a deck that if you just don't get him, <laughs> you're out of luck. So then, um, maybe you go heavy on the Finn. And then um, as long as you have one Sarath, he's got Hexproof, so... True, that's true. <laughs> you just don't attack with him. <laughs> but you still got a drop. That's, well, that's true, that's true. I mean, like, fair enough, okay. Um, luckily, I mean, hopefully all the creatures are dead by the, the time that you get yeah. to the end because you keep attacking with them. Um, I also like the idea, so the pay one, untap a creature or land. So the land part seems pretty fun because I... I don't know if we have a bunch of these in standard. Oh, no, we do. We have a couple. Okay. But you can make a god land where you put a bunch of auras on one right. land, the tap <laughs> for extra mana, and then this untaps the one big land that taps for a bunch. Yeah. yeah. It, it could be like the world's worst Arbor Elf. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is a really cool card, though. I kind of, I personally think this card should have Death Touch itself, but... I mean, uh, it does when it attacks. No, it says other. Never mind. No. Yeah, like, I get not giving this thing Hexproof, like, all untapped creatures have Hexproof or whatever, and then making it symmetric by saying other tapped creatures have Death Touch, mm -hmm. but you should just tack Death Touch onto this thing, I think. Yeah. This thing should have death touch. Look at it. it it's one of the, it's a sneaky. There's no death touch on it. It's yeah. the one where they won't block it because they think it has death touch. There you go. Yeah, and Perfect. then it won't trigger Finn, and you're like, fuck. <laughs> 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 that is true, and you're like, wait, damn it. <laughs> but I'm not attacking with Finn because I want to make sure he's indestructible or um, hexproof, indestructible. Yeah. <laughs> I think there is definitely uh, a janky brawl deck in there for you, um, for sure, and uh, a really solid. There's there is definitely a tier. janky brawl deck where this is worth a slot. Oh, one hundred percent. And historic, no historic brawl seems like it would be rough because like I don't know if there's enough cards for that to work. So stick with the sixty card deck for uh, for this one, but uh, <laughs> for now, for now. Keep your eye out. I like that they're continuing to do some weird death touch stuff in black green. Um, really, uh, really happy with that. 
But uh, anyway, those are some of our worth of slots for this uh, this set. Mm -hmm. We'll talk more about them uh, as it starts to uh, get to the new set in our happy hour episode. But Jeff, we also have a couple extra things we'd like to talk about. Maybe specific cards that uh, we think maybe are a little overrated, underrated. I don't know. Yeah, we wanted to add in a couple of little little awards here to give out, or, or what we'll call them. And so we want to talk about what our predictions are for most overrated and most underrated card in the set. And these are going to be hilarious because we're going to pick something as overrated and then it's in a, in a few months being like, I can't believe they printed this card. It's way too good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, as far as overrated things, man, I feel <laughs> like I, I put one of them in my worth of slots and I'm not sure if, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, if I'm <laughs> going to be on it later. Um, do you have one just, you know, I have uh, a few options that I was thinking of. Um, all right. I'll just make a snap decision. Perfect. And it's not one you're going to like it. I'll think about Oh no. <laughs> all right. So I think my choice and I'm, I'm choosing this also with the full knowledge that I could look like a total idiot, but <laughs> my choice for most overrated card from this set is going to be Sigardian Savior. Okay. So this is th three white white for a 3-3 three, three flying angel. When it ETBs, if you cast it, return up to two target creature cards with mana value two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. I've just been seeing this card get a lot of hype, and I don't really get it. Um, people are talking about mono white, obviously, which is a deck you love. And I just don't think mono white is interested in a five drop. I just I don't think that's true. And it, the cards it brings back you know, people are even talking about combining it with Intrepid uh, Adversary, adversary. Mm -hmm. and then paying to get the... And, like, how much mana do you have in your mono-white deck? Do you know how badly you've lost by the time that you have nine mana in your mono-white deck? Like, I don't know. I'm not seeing it. I think it's too expensive. It wants this weird thing where it's a five-drop, but only a three-three, and it wants you to play a lot of two-and-one drops. Uh, that I see where they were going, but I just don't think... I think standards moved past this. Yeah. This is like late-game reach for a mono-white aggro deck, and they have better things to do, and the other decks are doing stuff that's so powerful at this point that I don't think this is impactful enough. Yeah, I... Um... I just want to say that I also didn't really look at this card because it does cost five mana, so I just moved mm -hmm. past it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of people are rating this super high. Yeah, so I think I'm on board with you that this is, like, very overrated, specifically mm -hmm. in that deck. Um, maybe if there's some weird combo things, I don't know, you want to... I don't... I'm not really... Yeah, maybe it's a combo that. card or something. Cause it's like, hard for me to imagine this card being good because you got to play a lot of one and two drops. Yeah, <laughs> That, are, uh, that have and then five drops those decks don't often go there are a few hand. decks that have a lot of one and two drops and want to play five drops yeah like why would you play this when you can just attack them with faceless haven yeah well yeah that's true um <laughs> or do any of the other things that you want to do or literally just play intrepid adversary with, with for extra. a lot of mana <laughs> like <laughs> like <laughs> it just works better like in your opening hand you have a five drop you're like well okay I, I'm hoping I'm hoping my creatures die so I can bring them back. Is that what you're mm -hmm. hoping for? Yeah, I don't know. I uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I never thought this card was good, but people went crazy for it, and I'm like, I think you're gonna be wrong that nobody's gonna play this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think I definitely agree on that front. Um, 
so I have been seeing this. I don't know if this is the most overrated card, mm -hmm. um, but like, I mean, if you think it's terrible and people are rating it no like medium, that's still overrated, right? <laughs> I think that I just, I don't know. It's probably, it does seem great, but I also don't love it, and I think they're. Mm -hmm. So this is another one of the adversaries that I just like. This is one that I, okay. I see why it's really good, but also don't like it very much. And it's the green one, actually. Primal I knew adversary. it was the green one as yeah. soon as you said that. Yeah. So it's uh, two and a green for a 4-3 wolf with trample. And when it enters the battlefield, you can pay one and a green any number of times. And it gets a plus one, plus one counter each time you do that. You also get to make target land you control a 3-3 wolf with haste. They're still lands. Mm -hmm. um, now, I already don't like effects that turn my lands into creatures most of the time. Um, yeah. Probably Nissa, like who, Nissa shakes, who shakes the world. It's the fucking worst. Yeah. I, I, well, I didn't. Yeah. The card was really good. And the things that it did was, you know, obviously it was really frustrating. But that also doubled your mana. So that if you lost your lands, it wasn't that big a deal. Mm -hmm. This does not do that. Like, if you start losing your lands in, like, mono green or whatever decks you're playing this in, it will actually be a problem. And I just... You know, I'm with you, though. Like, yeah. I think people are really high on this card, and I don't really see it because the green decks already have such good ways to spend their mana. So everyone's saying, oh, yeah, it's a 4-3 trample for three. Or if you want something better than that, it does that. And I'm like... But 4-3 Trample for 3 is so below curve in the green decks that this exactly. would go in. And like you're suggesting that it's pretty good. And I'm like, in those decks, they have so much better stuff to do with the well, you just, 3 mana. On turn 3, you want to play Old Growth Troll. Uh, that's right. a 4-4 four, four for... Reckless Storm for Seeker. Yeah. You know, it's like, if you're in Gruul or whatever. Or whatever. It's just... It, it, and those decks already have such good ways to use their mana. They don't. I don't think they need this. Yeah, and the the real kicker for me is that this doesn't say five mana. You get a four three and a three three with haste. It says no. You get a four Six three. Mana. Yeah, no. But for five mana, you get a four three with trample and a tapped three three with haste. Right. Right. Which is just like. But it's six mana to get the four three and the three three that attacks. Right. Like. What? So on six mana. You can play this, turn your un now untapped land into a 3-3. Three, three, yes. And, like, get that out of it. But people might read this at first glance and think it costs five mana to do that, but it really... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lands. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah. It, right, it yeah. costs six for it to actually mm -hmm. attack that turn, or right. it costs five to make a And it scales the whole way up, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's nine to attack with two three threes. Exactly. So Not eight or seven. Or whatever. Yeah. So it's just, like... I don't like it as, like, I think this was the one that was spoiled last, and mm -hmm. everyone was like, oh, well, the green one's going to be the best one or whatever, and it came out, and everyone's like, oh, you know, here we go. And I was just like, really, though? But I don't like it that much. <laughs> I think I think it's fine. It's a fine card, mm -hmm. and I, I just don't think it's going to see as much play as people think because the decks that would want it have better options, I think. I agree. But, yep. Mm -hmm. um, underrated card. Do you have one? I do, and... Maybe I'm just, like, not seeing people talk about this card. Um, but I think this card's actually just going to be act kind of everywhere or, like, at least show up a lot. And it's Curse of Silence. This is one white for an enchantment or a curse. Chance player, 
ETB choose a card name. Spells with the chosen name uh, cost two more to cast. And whenever they cast a spell with that name, you can you may sacrifice Curse of Silence and draw a card. Um, this is just like a crazy card to have in your sideboard in a, for example, a white aggro deck. Mm-hmm. Like, you could just say, all right, you're not allowed to cast the only Wrath of God that I know you're good you're able to play like this card is kind of giving white decks a thought seize effect if you have knowledge yeah 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 it's gonna be hard to play it's mm-hmm. not just something you throw in your best of one ladder deck right you're never putting it in that no. but this is like such a good sideboard card for white aggressive decks and it's such a cool way to give white thoughtsies basically mm-hmm. <laughs> that um like if you couple this with Paolo too obviously then you know their hand and whatever I think this this card is something a lot of people are just brushing over, but is actually really strong and really important um, for that stuff. So I think that is it. Like the in the the aggressive deck is interesting. I wasn't necessarily thinking of it in that. I like I do like the design in the card, but I wasn't mm-hmm. thinking of it as a sideboard piece in that deck because the reason I like Paolo is because it's a creature, not because it's a. Um, uh, hard to get rid of, but mm-hmm. um, I mean, you could play this in control decks too. I think this is just a good white sideboard card for like sure. Now you can Absolutely. play blue white control and kind of have a thought seize effect too. That's true. Um, but uh, I mean, like, it just makes obviously it just makes their card cost more, but like, at least you then it replaces itself when they eventually cast it. But also, if you want to, though, if you want that, yeah. you don't even have like, you don't even have to lose it. If you have knowledge right. and you're like, oh, they have another one. If you one, know there's another one, you just you don't can... cash it in. I like that. I think that's. I think it's good. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think people are writing this off as like a trash rare, and it's actually going to show up in white sideboards. Oh. And I think definitely in historic. Yeah, I don't. I definitely don't think it's a trash rare. I think well, if you're mm-hmm. drafting, it's really annoying. But like, besides well, yeah, that, it's not, it's not good in draft. Yeah, yeah. But like, <laughs> um, but for sure, like. I could see it. I, I think I'm probably not as... Uh, I, I can see it, though. It's just, I wouldn't be surprised if this shows up at Worlds. Now, there's a caveat, because like at mm-hmm. Worlds, it's a smaller metagame, and people are way better. And I think they might even have deck lists. So it's like a card that, of course, like is going to be better at Worlds than mm-hmm. it's going to be normally. Yeah. But that's kind of my prediction, is people are writing off this card, and it's going to be... It's going to be important at Worlds. Those players will have it in their sideboard if they're yeah. playing white decks. Sweet. I like that. I think it's good. Actually, my my underrated card, I'm, I'm surprised, but I think I want to tr- play more of this card. I don't know if it's super underrated, but I haven't really seen a ton of people talk about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's literally right next to Curse of Silence, which was what got me into it. But Brutal <laughs> Cathar... Uh, mm-hmm. The two and a white for a two-two human soldier werewolf, and when it enters the battlefield or transforms um, back into brutal Cathar, you can exile target creature and opponent controls until it leaves the battlefield. Of course, it has day bound because it's a werewolf. Flips over to a three-three with first strike and ward pay three life. Um, I c- yeah, that's tough. Like the ward is especially interesting because if it transforms, it's hard to get your your thing back. <laughs> yeah, and it gets another thing. Mm-hmm. I also like it because obviously I play a lot of Skyclave Apparition, so this is different than that and gets different things. Um, right. But the the sequence of that deck either playing 
two because you want to double spell a lot because that's what a lot of your cards do but then you also have many turns where you don't have anything to play and you, it just happens to turn into night just because you can't um mm -hmm. and you will flip this often enough just because like oh sorry i just drew a land because i don't have any other cards in my hand or in my graveyard to it's play. just like activate faceless haven attack yeah and then you just get your, your attack turn. step and then it flips yeah. over and then if they double spell to try to kill your stuff it flips back over exiles another thing um mm -hmm. or at least takes some damage or it takes uh makes them lose a I mean, life you might even just do the faceless haven play to save up two spells to mm -hmm. flip this a couple like times. when it when it turns into the werewolf it doesn't exile something but when it turns back, back it when will it, yeah, so exactly yeah, so, it's going to be some interesting play patterns. It seems really interesting and gives you some more stuff to do. Um, and hey, a 3-3 First Striker. <laughs> that's, that's what I was about to say. 3-3 three, three First Striker is pretty good. Yeah, um, anyone who played against Goblin Chain Whirler knows that, that like, that's better than it looks. <laughs> yeah, so um, this seems sneaky good. Like, It's going to be really irritating soon. Yeah, and I think part of the reason people might not be you know talking about it is because they're maybe assuming skyclave apparition is better and but fills a similar space it but, does uh, but the more i look at it the more i'm like the things i'm really frustrated about skyclave apparition is like this deals with some of this stuff um yeah i think probably you're gonna end up with a split maybe mm -hmm. three skyclave two of these or something yeah because that seems pretty good obviously you can't get a chariot but you can get all the tokens you can mm. get a chariot if they, for some reason, crew in response On your to turn. This. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, or at the beginning of their turn as you flip it or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'd have to be a really weird it's on decision the, by your opponent. The, it's the one the of those misclick on, moments. Yeah, the yeah. triggers on the stack. They crew their... <laughs> <laughs> crew their chariot. <laughs> um, They're like, oops. That's the, an oops yeah, moment. Yeah, that's an oops moment for sure. Um... But yeah, anyway, I think it, it, it's, it, it could do some work. That's a good pick, because I, I think this card is awesome. And I'm also not seeing a ton of people talk about it. So. Yeah, um, I might try it out. I think I'm going to be the one that talks about it. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be like, Curse of Silence, Brutal Cathar. Got him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right, Jeff. Well, um I think I'm ready for last call. I mean, like, it's, yeah, me too. You know, it's getting there. So well, let's uh, <laughs> let's grab that that last beer. Three, two, one. Bow, 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 bow. I knew it. <laughs> of course, we picked Guinness. Yeah. Of course. How could you not? That's the sound I wanted. <laughs> the weird Guinness sound. I feel like the tall, those super giant cans don't overflow as much as the, the regular ones. Yeah, because mine this is two successful ones for me. Oh, that's great for you. I'm glad. Yeah. But uh, in either you, are case, are you so happy for me? I'm really happy for you. I mean, like the overflowing doesn't bother me that much. Mm -hmm. um, this was no surprise. I knew this coming into this. I was going to pick Guinness because, uh, well, I'm going to talk about it in a bit. Um, but before we talk about it, maybe we should explain our rating system for those that have never listened to the show before. Sure. All of our new friends. On mm -hmm. the Arena Regulars, we rate beers on a scale of bronze to mythic, just like the tiers in Arena. Look at that. That's right. <laughs> Who could have thunk? Um, but basically, uh, this has nothing to do with what tier you are in currently, or trying to get in, or have been in, or any of that. 
It's just a fun way to rate beers, so don't feel bad about that. However, bronze beers are trash, and they need to be uh, <laughs> thrown away and out of my mouth and away from me because they are so bad I cannot finish them. That's right. So if you're a bronze player, we're not saying you need to get out of... Never mind. Uh, <laughs> silver. <laughs> silver is macro brews, or basically nothing going on. Uh, a gold beer is fine, but you won't really probably drink it again. Platinum is solid, and you will drink it again. Diamond is exceptional, and you would recommend it to some of your friends. And Mythic is best of the best. You would recommend these not only to your friends, but to anyone who will listen. Yep. Um, so I'm at a crossroads here with uh, mm. this beer I brought. Guinness, I love you so. I really do. Many, so many nights in Irish bars, football Sundays. I've had a lot of good times with you, Guinness. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, everyone knows what this beer kind of tastes like for the most part. Uh, you've had one before. Uh, I just want to get on my soapbox a little bit and talk about Guinness because uh, you know, I haven't been able to this uh, this whole podcast. That's um, right. I do think that Guinness has its own... It does say that it's a stout, obviously, but it is much different than any other stout you'll really find. Um, Definitely. It's not super heavy. It's very... Uh, I think it's easy to drink. It goes by, like back really quickly. Um, mm -hmm. It's very refreshing, uh, and it's not fucking 10%. It's going to knock you on your ass. You can drink these, right. <laughs> and you, you'll be chilling. It does kind of have that like frothiness of a stout, though. Mm -hmm. It definitely has that going on. It's got a good foamy head that gets stuck in your mustache. Mm -hmm. Makes it look like you're really drinking a beer, you know? Um, yeah. So that's nice. Let everyone know. Great for pictures. I love it. Um, I do want to say one thing. So Guinness does this thing where they tell everyone you have to uh, pour their beer twice to get a perfect Guinness pour. Hmm. Um, so if you go to a bar and you order a Guinness, this will happen to you every time. Because it's... Uh, they use nitro for it, so it's on a different tap, and so it has a different gas and all that kind of stuff. And the tap mm -hmm. will have, like, a little plastic black thing on it and all that stuff. And people will pour it directly. They'll just stick a... Usually just stick the glass right under it, flip the switch on, and then halfway through, they'll switch it off, let it settle, and do it again. Um, okay, so that's what you mean by pour it twice. Yeah, this, that's the... the but it's called the Guinness 2 pour. It's like bar mm -hmm. etiquette. You're supposed to do that. That's what Guinness tells you to do. That's how they say. Otherwise, it doesn't... That's how they'd like you to serve their beer. It doesn't sit properly. Um, I am... Uh, I, I call bullshit on that. I don't <laughs> think it's necessary. I have... You can, you can pour a Guinness upside down into the glass and just... It'll be all cloudy. And give it mm -hmm. a second. It'll all be perfect every time. Like, Even this one I just poured, like, it came out super cloudy, mm -hmm. obviously. And then settled to the you know half an inch head mm -hmm. or whatever at the top it's like perfect every time like you never over you never get too much head i don't know what it is i don't know how they do that but like <laughs> it just feels like you can you don't have to do the the two-step pouring process or whatever um it's it's unnecessary uh but uh people still do it really what it is it's a commercial for the beer while you're waiting mm -hmm. to get the bartender's attention, you're watching them pour a beer twice, and you're like, mm, 
That does sound kind of good. Because they spend two, like, they spend twice as much time on that beer than every other beer. So you're like, mm-hmm. that one looks like it's important. I'm going to order that. Which is Beer is so nice, they had to pour it twice. Exactly. So it's like perfect marketing. I don't think that it does anything mm-hmm. um, besides sell more Guinness, which is exactly what they want. So that's great. And I will, I will pour that. If I work in a bar that has Guinness, I will do that for them because I <laughs> love their beer enough. I would want everyone to drink it. But not if you're pouring one for yourself, right? No, if I'm pouring, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to waste time before I can get a Guinness in my mouth, right? Like, I'm just going to just dump it. It's fine. Um, yeah, interesting. When you said it wasn't a stout, it's like, yeah, it's right. Like, it's marketed as a stout, but it's not. And it's on nitro and stuff, and that gives it that stouty, mm-hmm. like, frothiness and stuff. It makes it like the... But it isn't really a stout, is it? I mean, it is. I think it is technically a stout, but it doesn't have the same thick qualities that other ones do it or it's not like what we've come to interpret a stout as in north america yeah I mean, exactly. maybe they have precedence because it's 1759 or whatever mm-hmm. you said but um that's why when people were like oh i don't like stouts i was like what well, but guinness is it's is it guinness is guinness though it's its mm-hmm. own thing it's its own category <laughs> like there are other styles that try to be like guinness um and things like that but it does feel like it is its own thing it has it has like creaminess because of the nitro um and uh other stouts will be like it's a milk stout to make it creamy but it's like yeah but it's also thick and heavy like milk (laughs) you know Um, (laughs) which is great and delicious but it's the it's different um yeah so i'm curious about these people who have tried all these stouts but have never tried guinness that you're you're explaining this to me (laughs) (laughs) well i don't know i guess maybe i also talked to like I can I try to get lager drinkers to start drinking Guinness because like it's a gateway into some other stuff and they're like yeah. oh, it's, I can't drink more than one it's too much I'm like really I can drink these all night and yeah they're just it's just like a nice nuttiness but it like it feels like you could chug it really easily and it wouldn't it would be an easy chugging beer to me because it's, it's funny because what they're saying is true of most stouts mm-hmm. that I can't have more than one or two mm-hmm. of these like you know oatmeal stouts or something or whatever yeah but guinness doesn't really feel like a stout to me and i could definitely have meant multiple guinness (laughs) yeah so so i don't know anyway i i will step off of my soapbox um but Mm -hmm. how do you feel about guinness what is your your uh reaction i don't know if you're gonna like my rating but uh, i i i was prepared for this uh you can do whatever you want Um, i'm gonna give it platinum for okay. me, it just it just hits that mark of this is pretty good and I'll drink it again, and that's that's what Guinness is to mm-hmm. me. <laughs> um, I like it, mm-hmm. obviously, or I wouldn't be giving it platinum. But uh, yeah, and and like it's solid, and I will drink it again. And I have that's been true for years for me. You know, like I'm never oh I don't want a Guinness. I'm gonna stay away. So I do keep coming back, but I don't seek it out necessarily. Yeah. Um, I love Guinness a lot. Um, and I drink it often, especially when I'm at a bar, because I want, I like it. It's best when it's on draft, but the cans are good. The bottles are, don't ever drink Guinness out of a bottle. It's not worth it. Um, I would be curious to try it like in Ireland. I've, I've heard people that say that it's much better there because it's fresh yes and i also want to do that and that's when it, whenever my fiance is always like we should go to ireland i'm like 
the only thing I want to do is go to the Guinness <laughs> Brewery. That's the only thing. Everything else, cliffs and stuff, sure, that'll be fun. But like, I yeah, want I guess to I'll go with you for that. But yeah. I'll have my backpack full of Guinness. Yeah, exactly. And that's <laughs> what's going to be. Um, though, ultimately, looking at our criteria, um, it is kind of on the Diamond Mythic edge. Um, okay. Just because uh, I don't... You don't want to be the crazy guy I kind of recommend to people at the store to get Guinness? I don't recommend Guinness very often to people because I expect them to already know what it is. And so I'm not going right. to, hey, let me show you this cool one. Uh, let me Just trust me on this one. I, I don't know if you've heard of it, but Guinness, you should try yeah? it. Yeah, you should give um, it a go. So I think I will stick with Mythic actually just because this whole soapbox has got me into talking about how so much I love it. you up about Guinness. And I came into this being like, I'm probably going to say Diamond because I'll just try to get my friends to drink it. But it's mm -hmm. definitely one that like I come back to often. Um, I don't drink constantly, but it tastes great every time. I'm always happy to have one. And when we get a four pack, I drink all four that night because it's too hard to just keep them in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Platinum, or sorry, yeah, Di or Mythic for you. Yes. And Diamond for me. But you, that's tentative. That's with an asterisk. Did you go up to diamond? You said platinum earlier. I'm fine. You sure go to... No, no. I, I meant platinum. Did I just say diamond? Yeah, you just said diamond. <laughs> too, too many Guinness. Uh, so mythic for you, platinum for me. There we go. But it's with what I wanted to say is it's with the asterisk that after the arena regulars trip to Dublin, I might Ooh. increase it. <laughs> Ooh, that should be fun. Oh, I'd be down for that. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, Catherine would be pretty It's just upset. like yours and Catherine's trip, and I'm just there. <laughs> no, I was thinking that we would go instead, and Catherine would stay. Oh, just, yeah, she'd be really pissed, yeah. <laughs> she'd be rightfully upset about that. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, but now that I... I was thinking you guys just go, and I'll just be at the brewery the you'll whole just, time. You'll be back. You guys are doing your hikes or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime you show up to the brewery, I'm there. You're just there at the bar. <laughs> uh, you're just sending me pictures of you drinking more Guinness. I'm like... Why am I not there right now? <laughs> um, yeah, I have heard, actually, this is one thing. When Conan O'Brien went to the Guinness dist uh, Brewery, not the distillery, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, they said that when you f drink your first sip of Guinness, I, I should have made us do this at the beginning, but I forgot about it until this moment, but you're supposed to look off into the sunset. Where were you, Conan? You needed to remind us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, like, you hold it up to your mouth, and you just you gaze off. Ooh, and that's then that's work. that's your first uh, that's your first. Step. When this becomes a video podcast, we'll have to do stuff like that. It'll it'll make a lot more sense when we do that. Um, anyway, I'm gonna step back. I'm gonna step down off of my soapbox. Um, by the way, we are not sponsored by Guinness. Uh, you, not yet. No. <laughs> not yet. Um, but please tweet at them because I would love that. Um, although doing Guinness and Harp every week would be kind of a boring after a while. Um, but Jeff, let's talk about Waterloo Dark. Are you ready for it? Yeah. Um, I thought this was okay. I agree. It's, um, so I usually rec do actually recommend darker lagers to people because mm -hmm. um, it is a good way to kind of enter the craft beer world because, okay, you're used to kind of the lager flavor and then darker lagers tend to be just bittered with, stuff you're already used to like mm -hmm. chocolate or and coffee, coffee or yeah. whatever and so it lets you kind of break off the macro brew chain have something that's interesting and maybe pretty good 
and it won't be too assaulting on your senses because it's using stuff that you've already kind of developed the taste for. Mm-hmm. Um, Dunkles, to be fair, don't all usually hit that same standard. They're just kind of like Germans making darker versions of the other beers that they make. So mm-hmm. maybe not the best example of that, but uh, I thought this beer in particular was just... I don't even know how to describe it. It's just kind of off for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it felt well made enough. Like it, it had that crisp lager taste that, that you would hope for. And there was nothing offensive about it, but I don't know. I just didn't love it. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I, I've had this one before and okay. of their brewery stuff. Mm-hmm. I like this one the most. Um, and it was actually fun to drink it next to Guinness because obviously these are both really dark beers for the midnight hunt. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's fun because they also are... Tell me how that worked out. They, yeah, but they're also fairly like light tasting. Like they have... It has more of like a coffee consistency as far as like the actual... Um, how yeah. viscous it is. Um, so I think I enjoyed it a little bit more being like, oh, okay, right after my Guinness was like, this is... Um, better than I remember, but I always put this as at gold in my mind. So maybe I'm just thinking high gold now. Um, but I, the, I've had some Waterloo beers that were bronze, so that's why I'm always hesitant. I see with if, this brew. I don't think I've ever, or if I've tried Waterloo, it's been years and years and years. So this is kind of my first experience, and mm-hmm. I tried this, and I think I took one sip, and it just like my brain was like, that's a gold beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a gold. <laughs> you know, there's nothing wrong with this, but mm-hmm. I will probably not buy this again. Yeah, yeah. But I like I understand. Okay, it's it's well made enough. It, it tastes like the lager, and it just like the flavors aren't wowing me. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's fine. And then when I got to the end of the beer, my mind had not changed. So yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, having it sandwiched in between Guinness, I probably still had Guinness on my mouth and in my cup, so <laughs> it just, you know, tries to raise everything up, but it did not crack platinum. It's still just a gold, uh, it, it's still, yeah, I think that's just the right place to put that beer as yeah. gold. Yeah. And, uh, I think still in my mind, it's, it's, if I'm going to drink something from Waterloo, it's going to be this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I am no, I've had ones Maybe we should have some bronze beer sometimes because um, there were ones Sounds where... Sounds like you're recommending something. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just being like, I'm hesitant at some of their stuff now after a couple couple times. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know about this. So um, happy that this is at least gold. So mm-hmm. there we go. That's what, that's what I have to say about that. Sorry. Uh, I, I don't want to trash Waterloo too much. I don't know much about it at all. Um, but uh, that's, that's Ontario's oldest brewery, man. That's true. Are you really gonna? <laughs> oh, just just not oldest brewery, just Ontario's first craft brewery. So right, yeah, yeah. They should maybe update their recipes. I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe, um, but I mean, the recipes can't be that old <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the craft beer revolution in Ontario is fairly recent. Yeah, if they were really old, they'd be really good. <laughs> If they're still around. <laughs> That's what we're learning. Yeah. yeah. The older the beer, usually they like, yeah, there's a reason why you're still here. Because you're awesome. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Jeff, I think it's closing time. 
closing tab. Yep, we've rated the beers, we've drank the beers, we're drinking the beers. It's time to go home. Now it's time for the call to action, right? Call the call to action. Hey, <laughs> can you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Arena Regulars? That'd be <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we know you won't, but we'd love it if you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, you can find us on Arena under the username Arena Regulars Podcast. Uh, maybe we'll be drafting against you sometime soon. Yeah, hopefully, well, probably because I'm going to run out of gold and gems soon <laughs> because I've yeah. been drafting. I just built up so many that. <laughs> yeah, it's just going to be me. So if you're playing that account, it's going to be me. Um, <laughs> and you won't be surprised when I screw up the day or night thing again because I'm going to do that all the time now. Um, if you want to talk to me personally about how day and night works, um, or also just, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, just. The resident expert. Yeah, what time it is, I guess. Um, you can find me at uh, Zulberg on Twitter and Instagram. But Jeff, where can I find you? You can find me at Blues Brews MTG on Twitter. It's spelled like it sounds. Please do not ask me what time of day it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not so good at Twitter that I will respond in a timely enough manner for you to get the information you need. Yeah, you will find out a week later what time <laughs> it is at that point. Um, <laughs> Uh, anyway, we'd also really like it if you would, if you like the podcast, um, and you enjoy us every week or whenever you listen, just give us a review on iTunes. It just, it's nice. Makes us feel good. Also, it helps the podcast and, you know, we just want to keep doing this. So if you like it, try to keep it going. Follow us on, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, all the places you're listening to us right now. Um, check us out on everything. Just yeah. come find all the, us. All of, all of the things. All of the things. This has been the Arena Regulars. Reminding you that Teferi who slows the sunset does not, in fact, slow the sunset. Good night. All right, that's fine.